Well, all right. Well, let's uh, get into God's Word together. We're going to be in James chapter 3. If you want to open your device or your Bible to James chapter 3, we're going to be in verses 1 through 12. And we're going to talk today about trouble with the tongue as James gets into the topic of the tongue, our words um, today. And we are a culture uh, that loves words. Think about it. Um, the Constitution, words, our laws written with words. Um, words are matter a big, a great amount in our culture. Uh, if we get happy, we like to listen to a certain kind of music. If we get sad, we listen to a certain kind of music um, or watch a certain kind of movie. The way we communicate ideas in the workplace or in the marketplace or uh, are through our words. We listen to the, to the radio or we listen to podcasts to take in words for information or watch television. or Words, in other words, fill our lives uh, at multiple levels within our family and workplaces and our culture and our government um, and obviously in the church as we study God's word, which he's given to us through these written words in the Bible. You know, and in fact, we like to, in our culture, post things, like things, share things, tweet things through social media, all different ways of using um, words, uh, using our tongue in a sense, uh, to communicate ideas. Um, some folks are convinced <laughs> that we can't make it through our day unless we know exactly what you think about the president or Congress or cultural matters or other hot topics. Um, we can, but that's okay. It's all about words. We love words. We like to share words. We like to share ideas. We like to, we like to communicate in these sort of ways about the way we feel and things like that. And words are incredible things. The tongue is an incredible tool. It's a powerful tool. But in James, we're going to see there is trouble to be had with the tongue. And we can all say to that, amen. You've heard the illustration before, the toothpaste coming out of the tube, right? And you can't get it back in. As in many ways, that's the way it is with our words. And if you're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll destroy our lives, our relationships, yes, our reputation can, with our words, with our tongue. It can wreak havoc on our lives. And today we're going to discover the trouble with the tongue and how we need to live in light of that. So look with me. James chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. James writes, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and a sea creature and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. 
So James here begins in verse 1 by warning of the danger involved with teaching the Bible, what I am doing right now. Teachers, he says, will be held to a higher account. And then he explains why. He, he warns about this, the nature of the tongue and how we tend to sin a lot with our words. He wants people to take um, teaching seriously because he knows uh, the danger of teaching falsely and teaching false doctrine or being a hypocrite uh, with your words and things of that nature. In fact, James says, if you cannot stumble in your words, you're perfect, you're complete. You, he may here be referring to perfection, or, and, and, which is most likely, or some say he's referring to spiritual maturity. But the truth is, uh, we mature in the Christian life, but we don't reach full maturity. We certainly don't reach perfection until heaven. In fact, if you can master the tongue, you can master the whole body. It's kind of what James is saying here. In other words, it's the hardest thing to master. And so here's the big idea today. The tongue is a troublemaker. But it can reveal our heart. It reveals our heart. The tongue is a troublemaker, but it reveals our heart. And, and James kind of expresses that for us today here in these 12 verses. And in this passage, I see three general warnings about the tongue or things about the tongue that we need to know to help us understand the importance of dressing, addressing it and dealing with it and seeking to use it in a way that glorifies God. And by the way, a way that, that blesses others and not curses them, as James says. So here, here's the three kind of observations about the tongue from this passage. The first one is the tongue is powerful. The tongue is powerful. And he speaks of uh, two kind of, kinds of things about the power of the tongue that I see here in the text. The first one is directive power. James uses the illustration of a horse and the bit and the ship and the rudder to explain that a very small thing can have influence over and give direction to a very large thing. So think about the power for a of, of a horse, as James says here. Someone uses a bit uh, in the horse's mouth uh, to control wherever they want the horse to go. Or think about the power of a large ship and even the wind, as James says, that drives that ship. But the very small rudder can steer that entire ship and determine the actual destination, the direction of that ship. And James is teaching, so to the tongue, while it is small compared to the rest of your body, is powerful. Now, it might seem insignificant. It has incredible influence over the direction of your life. It boasts of great things, yeah, which is one of the things we can do with our tongue, right? We can boast. We can say prideful things. But its boasts are true in a lot of ways in that it can do great things, powerful things. It has incredible influence. J.A. Motyer writes, quote, The tongue is the key factor in controlled living. He goes on to say the control of the tongue is more than evidence of spiritual maturity. It is the means to it. Incredible thought there. He makes this point by saying the tongue is more than what we say out loud, that all of our thoughts and all of our plans are directly connected to, to words. We form them with words, um, with our tongue in a sense, in our minds. Douglas Moo writes of this section, he says, Believers who exercise careful control of the tongue are, also, are able also to direct their whole life in its proper divinely charted course. But when that tongue is not restrained, small though it is, the rest of the body is likely to be uncontrolled and undisciplined also. See, the tongue is directly tied to the heart. And the heart in the Bible is the real you. The inner you, it's the place of your mind, your will, and your emotions, and where, where, it flow, where those things flow from. Our, our words and our thoughts, they have a way of defining us. They have a way of shaping us and shaping our lives. And they have a way of revealing things about us, and they have a way of directing us. And if you can have self-control with your tongue, you can have self-control in any other area of your life. I've never met someone who was great at controlling their tongue in all situations, behind closed doors, you name it, that at the same time 
was very bad at controlling all their other sinful appetites. At the same time, I've never met someone that was only spiritually mature with their tongue and not in other areas. It's just never seen that in, in, in my life. There was a, the, a book some years ago that was written called The Power of Habit. And the author said in that book that some habits are keystone habits, meaning that if you form a good habit here, it has a way of influencing all these other areas of your life. And you might say that the tongue is a keystone to Christian living. Or as Motyer calls it, he calls it the, the master key, right? Like on a switchboard. And so it has incredible influence here, and we need to learn uh, the importance of this, this directive power of the tongue. Also, our tongue, our words, our speech has, the, uh, not, um, has also the power to direct or to guide us to good or to kind of bad places, if you will, um, in life. Let me explain. How many times have you found yourself in a bad situation because you said something you shouldn't have said, and then the situation gets worse? Maybe even you had good intentions. Um, Words have power. How many times have you seen someone talk their way into something good or talk their way out of something bad? You ever seen that? Sure sure you have. That's the the directive power of words. With the tongue, a world leader can direct a country toward a war or away from a war. With the tongue, you can lead yourself toward a life of sin and rebellion or away uh, from a life of sin and rebellion through confessing Jesus as Lord, turning away from your sin, and and calling on Jesus, right, as as Lord and as as Savior. Man, the, the tongue has so much directive power, but it also has an untamable power. That's the second thing about this power. If you look down at verse 7, he says, every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Incredible point there about the untamable power of the tongue. James paints this picture of wild animals and how people over the centuries have found ways to tame them, but not the tongue. (laughs) It's untamable, you know, when I was a kid, when we came, growing up in North Alabama, I remember coming to Orlando on vacation. And I think there was this one particular year, uh, we did what you might would say in the, uh, what was this, late 80s, early 90s, probably the late 80s, uh, was like the big three, which was, you know, you came down here and you did the beach, you did Disney World, and Gatorland. Not Universal, it was Gatorland back then. That was the, the big three. And I remember seeing, that, man, just them interacting and engaging with these ginormous alligators, and that was such a weird thing to see um, as a kid. The the other day, I was watching a video of someone somewhere um, who had a pet alligator, and this thing looked to be humongous. It had to be 8, 10 feet long, and it was in their yard, right? It was in their yard and helping with their the gender reveal of the child that they were having. I mean, just uh, wild stuff, right, that we, that we see with these wild animals. Uh, I was in our neighborhood just this past week getting the mail or something like that, and I look, and there's something walking down the sidewalk, and I think, that is a really big lizard. And as I walked closer to it and got closer to it, I realized it wasn't a really big lizard. It was an alligator, right, just walking down the sidewalk. Now, it was a small alligator. It was like this big, um, maybe, you know, a couple of feet long or whatever. And, uh, and the, uh, the county came and got it and took it to a canal and placed it back in there. But what I did not do was say, you know what, I'm going to bring this alligator into my home. It's going to become the, the sixth Malone, and we're going to raise this to be like some um, exotic pet or something. No, because those things eat people. I have no desire to try to tame an alligator. And even though you can look at around different exotic animals around the world, and you can think of an example of someone who's tamed a tiger or a lion or an alligator or some wild, a snake or, or whatever it may be, James's point is, okay, but you can't tame the tongue. Uh, you've got a better chance of winning a wrestling match with a 500-pound alligator than you do of 
taming your tongue in your power. It's, it's, it's an untamable, untamable thing. So it's got untamable power. The power of the tongue. Number two, the tongue is dangerous. Just like that wild animal, the tongue is dangerous. Just like an untamed animal can be dangerous, the tongue is dangerous. He says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a, such a small fire. The danger, first danger he speaks of here is the danger of destruction. All it takes is a spark, a small prideful boast, a quick unforgiving word, a hateful remark, a, a hot piece of gossip, a subtle slander to start a raging fire in your life and in the lives of others. The tongue is dangerous. It can destroy just as a fire destroys. I remember as a kid, Smokey the Bear would come on TV and he would tell you, only you can prevent forest fires. He would talk to you about the importance of putting those fires out if you were camping or something like that. All it takes is one little thing to create this huge fire. I think about out west when it gets hot and when it gets dry, these raging, dry, we get these raging fires out in California. And it may start small, but it can destroy homes and all kinds of property. It spreads. That's the destructive nature of fire. And words are very similar. The tongue is very similar. It can cause fire-like damage. What do fires do? It, they, it spreads, it consumes, and it gets uncontrollable. And that's the danger of the tongue, the danger of this kind of destruction. He actually says the tongue is a fire. <laughs> he says it's a world of unrighteousness. He says it stains the whole body. It's one member, but it stains the whole body. It sets on fire the entire course of life, he says. So it's a fire in that it's consuming and uncontrollable when it gets going. And he says it's, it's, it's set on fire by hell. Now, James' point, James point here is that the tongue has the potential to spew unrighteous things and thus to destroy your life, to, set, to, to put a, uh, some events into motion that can just, become, just, just spiral out of control. Let me ask you, how many people have lost their jobs over words that they said? How many relationships have been wrecked by hateful, hurtful words? And once it gets rolling the destruction just tends to spread and spread and spread and spread. And listen, is it, when he says it can stain your whole body, it's a small member, but it can stain your whole body. It can, uh, it can uh, it, it set, the fi- set fire to the entire course of life. Listen, it can mark you. Uh, your words have a way of defining you and your life. People remember you not just by what you do, but by what you say. Words have a way of, of staying with you and leaving a mark over time. I, our, our, our words can destroy our lives and mark our lives, but also the lives of others. You know, um, I remember, you know, as a kid, the little saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Or one of my favorites as a kid was, I am rubber and you are glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. I used to love saying that. It's all lies. It's all lies. Words don't bounce. In fact, they tend to pierce like an arrow or a sword into the heart. In fact, he says they're like deadly poison. It's like a poison-tipped arrow that seeps down into the heart. They absolutely hurt. And a broken bone can heal in six to eight weeks. But I'm telling you, words can do damage that last a lifetime. Last a lifetime. Some of you right now can remember hurtful and hateful words that have been said to you in your life that still hurt to this day. You know you can You can remember things right now that you have said that you wished anything that you could take back. And it might have been something you said 20 years ago. That's the power of words. That's the danger of the tongue. He says it's a restless evil full of deadly poison set on fire by hell. Go back to the fall with me for a moment in Genesis chapter 3. How did the serpent tempt Eve? With words. 
there wasn't just a piece of fruit there. No, that, that he tempted her with words. In fact, the whole encounter was a conversation, right? It was a dialogue in which she misquoted God at one point in which the serpent basically told her God was a cosmic killjoy just trying to hold her back from becoming all she could be, right? It was, it was a dialogue. What did Adam and Eve do after they sinned? They continued to sin by blaming God. Adam blamed God with his tongue. Eve blamed the serpent with her tongue. And from there on, we see a litany of sins throughout the Bible committed with the tongue. You can run through this all through the Scriptures. The tongue is destructive. And, and Satan loves to, to twist and to use our words. And he, he loves it when we, when we help set fire to things that he can try to help fan into flame with our Word set on fire, as he says here, by hell. The tongue is destructive, and we need to beware of its power to destroy lives that have been evident ever since Genesis 3. But there's also the danger of hypocrisy. Not just destruction, but hypocrisy. In verses 9 and 10, he talks about this. James paints a picture of a double-minded kind of hypocrisy. Because we can be hypocrites with our tongues, and that's a grave danger uh, that we all face. We can bless God with our tongue and we can turn around and we can curse people made in his likeness, James says. And James reminds us that people are made in God's likeness. They're made in God's image, image bearers. And he's showing the absurdity of going to church, right? Praising God, singing the worship song, saying the prayers, saying amen, participating, and then going to work or going back home and cursing people, people that bear the image of the God that we praise. These things should not be, James says. It's rooted in the double-minded nature that James rebukes in people, starting in James chapter 1. And throughout the book, you see James calling out this double-mindedness, this hypocrisy, one foot in the world and one foot in in the church or with God, one foot of faith and one foot of doubt. He's calling that out here. And it manifests itself, this hypocrisy does many times, with our tongues. Hypocrisy usually shows up in the tongue first. Before we say one thing and do one thing, we tend to say two different things. Or manifest our hypocrisy with our words. And hypocrites, people with double minds, can sing the right songs, quote all the right verses, but then also can whisper gossip gossip and, and subtly slander people behind their backs. And it's all hypocrisy. It may be shared as a prayer request or as a concern, but many times it's just a way to hurt someone's character behind their back. And this person is created in God's image, the God that we say we love. James says these things ought not to be. Beware the danger of hypocrisy with your tongue. Because your tongue will tell on you. Your tongue will tell on you. And that's the third thing. The tongue is indicative. It's indicative. Verses 11 and 12, James here uses a spring, a tree, and a vine, and a pond to illustrate the basic idea about this idea of double speak. And his point is, just as the spring doesn't pour forth fresh water and salt water, just as the fig tree doesn't bear olives, just as the salt pond can't yield fresh water, neither should the one with saving faith speak in this double-minded way with their tongue. See, the tongue is indicative. It indicates the heart and the spiritual condition. It reveals it. It indicates what's going on on the inside. That's James's point here. Imagine the tongue, if you will, like a bucket, uh, and the heart is a well. So you lower the bucket down into the well, and with, if it's clean water down in the well, the bucket brings forth clean water. If it's dirty water, the bucket brings forth dirty water. In the same way, the tongue is like this bucket. It's just pouring forth what's going on inside the heart, and sinful words come from sinful hearts. If our tongue sounds like we're not walking with God, guess what? We're not walking with God in that moment. If over the course of our life, if our tongues seem to indicate that we don't know God, 
maybe we don't know God. That's the point here. It's like the dashboard in your car, right, with all the lights going off, indicating what's going on under the hood. Things are running hot. You're going this fast. You're, you know, you're low on oil, whatever it may be, and these lights can come on. You, or you've got a tire that's low, and a light can pop on. It's indicating what's wrong, or I can pop the hood, and if I want to know how much oil's in the car, I can pull out the, the oil stick, right, and I can check it, indicating what's going on on the inside. Well, the tongue is a way of understanding, in many ways, what's going on spiritually in our hearts, and in our lives. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12. Uh, in verses 33 through 37, he said things like this. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's like an overflow. He goes on to say, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I'm telling you, words are important. They're important. The tongue is important. Listen, we will be judged for our words, and our tongues can reveal. As Jesus is saying here, and James is saying, our tongues can reveal we have false faith that we talked about last week. But they can also reveal that in the moment, in that moment, even as a believer in Christ, that we're not yielded to the lordship of Christ in that moment, that we're not full of the Holy Spirit, because in this life, we'll never perfectly tame the tongue. You're not going to be sinless in this life, but we, need, we, we can mature spiritually. We can grow spiritually. We can't become sinless, but we can sin less. We can grow in Christ's likeness. So how should we live? How should we live with this troublesome tongue that reveals things about our heart? Let me give you three words, three words to help us kind of let this sink in and apply it today. The first word is ownership. Ownership. We've got to take responsibility for our words. As James says in verse 26 of chapter 1, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. We got a responsibility to bridle the tongue. We need to take ownership. We're responsible for our words. We're responsible for the fires we start with our words. We cannot begin to mature spiritually in this area to bridle our tongue. We cannot begin to repent even if we don't first take ownership of our tongue. If Jesus teaches the tongue indicates my heart, then I can't make excuses for my words spoken in anger or spoken in fear or spoken in frustration. I have to own them and I have to repent of them and I have to deal with my own heart. I have to take ownership. So that's where it starts. Number two, the second word is relationship. James says no human being can tame the tongue. In this life, we'll never perfectly tame it, but we can grow. And holiness and spiritual growth and maturity is only possible with God's help. I need more than a human being. I need God. First, I need a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, the God-man. Jesus is the only man to never sin with his tongue. In fact, the scripture reveals that even when he was sinned against, he didn't sin with his tongue. The Bible teaches this. He, he had no sin. He didn't sin in any way. And he, Jesus, what he, he died for sinners like you and me. He went to the cross and bore our sin debt and took the punishment we deserve, satisfying the wrath of God. And Jesus even died for the sins that we spoke and the sins that we thought. All of our sins. And it's only through him, through Jesus, who died in our place and rose again, that we can have a new heart, as the Bible teaches, that begins to speak forth in a new way. See, when I trust Jesus, I receive the Holy Spirit, who begins to change me. And I get this new helper who wants to empower me to walk in God's commands and in God's truth. And he wants to empower me to speak what is good and true and godly. He wants to empower me to encourage and not curse my neighbor. 
Believer, if we're going to see spiritual growth in our speech, we're going to need the Holy Spirit's help. The passage we go to often is in Ephesians 5 about being filled with the Holy Spirit because the key to living an obedient and victorious Christian life is being filled, surrendered, submitted, yielded to the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, 18-21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody with the Lord to your heart and, and with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What's the first effect listed from being filled with the Holy Spirit? Speech. How we address one another. Addressing one another in this way. Giving thanks to God in this way. He, he, right to speech. In fact, you go back to Acts, and when Jesus says, you know, that you are to wait, and you're to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he says, and you will be my witnesses. Wherever you trace it, I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit, when we're yielded to him in our life, when he's filling us, it's going to change what we talk about. It's going to change who we talk to and how we talk to people. It's going to begin to affect our speech. So we need a relationship with Christ so we can have a changed heart. Because if I'm going to change my words, I've got to change my heart. And then I need this ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit who indwells me as I yield to him and I'm filled with him to give me victory and obedience in the way I use my tongue. So the first word is ownership. The second word is relationship. The third word is stewardship. As a believer, I live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And James refers to him as Lord, right? In chapter 1, verse 1, he goes on to refer to him as the Lord of glory. And if Jesus is my Lord, that I am to steward and manage all of my life under his rule, under his reign, as my boss, as my ruler, as my king. I have a responsibility to leverage my life in a way that glorifies my Lord because I'm his. I'm simply stewarding my life. I'm a manager of the life he gives me. Well, my words and my tongue... They don't have a special clause that separates them from that. And, and the key to stewarding our tongues in a, ways that, a way that glorifies King Jesus is wisdom. And we need to learn to use wisdom with our words. There's a time to speak and there's a time to listen. And Proverbs tells us when there are many words, sin is not absent. Our world is run amok with people showing their foolishness with their words. And something we can all do is slow down. And, and just the old school way of thinking of, is it necessary is it true? Is it kind? Is it, is it helpful? Think about the fact of what we say to someone in a moment. Think about the fact of what we post on something. It has consequences beyond just making your thoughts known. And your tongue is dangerous, and my tongue is dangerous. And next week, we'll study wisdom from the book of James because he goes directly into that topic because he knows our only hope with a tongue set on fire by hell, is wisdom from above. We need the wisdom of God to fill our lives. Because without it, we will be running around committing spiritual arson all over the place in our lives and in the lives of others. So we need to take ownership, we need that relationship with God through faith in Christ, and then we need to seek to be, we need good stewardship. We need to steward our words wisely. What does your tongue say about your heart today? What's your tongue say about your heart today? Have you been born again? Have you turned away from your sin and embraced Christ as Lord and Savior? If you haven't, we want to encourage you to do that. And none of all of us have been flawed and have made errors with our words because we all have hearts 
that need to be transformed by Jesus. We've all sinned, and we, 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 we're, we're sinners by nature, and we're, and, we're, and we're sinners by choice. And the Bible says our only hope is Jesus, who died in our place and who rose again. And I want to encourage you, if you never have, to turn away from your sin, to turn to God, and to put your faith and trust in Christ as your boss and as your Savior, believing that he lived the sinless life you couldn't live, that he died in the place, your place on the cross, bearing the judgment you deserve, and that he rose again in victory. And the Bible says if you'll turn from sin and you'll turn to Jesus in faith, that God will save you. He'll transform your heart, and you can begin to live a new and different way, even in, with the words you speak. And if you've got questions about that, you can email us at info at gonorthpark.com. We'd love to begin that conversation. If you call on the Lord Jesus today and you place your faith in him and ask him to save you, we would love to know. You can email us right there, info at gonorthpark.com. Believer, we take ownership today of your tongue. Uh, will you analyze your relationship with the Lord and say, you know what, is, what does my tongue and the way I've been using my words, what does it say about my relationship with the Lord right now? Am I being a good steward? Am I being wise with the things I say, the things I say to people in private, the things I say at work, the things I say at church, the things I say at home, the things I say on the internet? Will you pursue wisdom? Let's pray together. Father God, we are grateful today for the gift of language and the gift of words and the gift of the tongue, but we know, Lord, it's a stewardship that we have to steward wisely. Help us to do that. I pray today for anyone who has not believed in their heart that Jesus is Lord, confessed him with their mouth, and I pray, Lord, today that they would turn away from sin to Jesus and call on him, call on the Lord Jesus to save them. I pray for every believer watching this today, Lord, that you would help us to be wise with our words, that we would realize the power, the danger that's there with the tongue, that we'd realize the indicative nature of it and the revealing nature of it, and Lord, that we would take ownership. And Lord, that we would, that we would pursue Christ, understanding the only way we can walk in victory in any sense and grow in this area is through our relationship with Christ and yielding to the Holy Spirit. And Lord, that we would seek to be good stewards of our words. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.